Please be seated. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. Kurt, Kurt and I have been uh, kind of tag teaming, it seems, through the summer. And, and uh, just so you know, I, I'll be here through to November. Uh, the, the, I know, right? The next time we, we have planned. And, and some of you have been asking, every time we're gone, they say, when we come back, we say, how was your cruise? We say, I don't know. We haven't taken it yet. Um, we're we're going to do that in, in November, our 30th anniversary, not here 30, uh, 16 here, but 30 uh, married. That just means Cynthia's a really patient lady. She can stick it out when nobody else probably would have. Um, this is the beginning of our ministry year. So this is an exciting time in the life of our churches as we spin uh, up just really a, a new year of ministry. We began with our, our kids and our, our, our youth program, um, our, our men's Bible study on Tuesday. We'll be starting back up this week, and ladies' Bible study will be starting back up after uh, Memorial Day. Did I get that right? Labor Day. One of those days where you get the Monday off uh, and it has day and a holiday. Um, and so if you're interested in jumping in in ministry somewhere, there is a place for you, and, and we'll start you off easy. For example, if you want to help with our kids club, that's our Wednesday kids program, Cynthia said she will let you help with snacks. I thought, yeah, thanks. I figured it'd be like eight guys going, I'll be the taste tester uh, for that. Uh, but if you want to help with that, we have about 70 kids registered for kids club. Can you believe that? Uh, had about 30, uh, almost 30, pushing 30 in, in youth um, on Wednesday night. So that's awesome. We're, we're starting off great and, and being able to minister to those, those kiddos. That's not all that's happening. Some of you may have noticed we're, we're changing some stuff in our welcome ministry. So if you want to plug into our welcome ministry team, we can do that. It, can you shake a hand? Can everybody do this? I want to see this is, a, this is a, like your civil service test. Can you, can you do that? Some of you are afraid to because you know I'm going to be taking names. We have a place for you, uh, not only here. Uh, we're glad that you're here with us, but we have a place for you in ministry uh, if you want to jump in, and, and we'll try to be easy on you uh, as we do that. If you're a guest here today, we, we're especially glad that you're here. We're in a series, uh, and, and we're going through Joshua. It, it's really fun. I, I love the, the Old Testament. Actually, the whole Bible is just so rich in uh, what we get here. And, and I love reading in the Old Testament, and, and particularly when we get to stories like this. Today, this is a story, if you've grown up in church, then you've probably heard this story. If you've been in church almost any length of time, then, then you, you probably ha have heard this. Today, we get to watch the walls of Jericho come down. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that, that's the one. And so what we're going to do, everybody, we're going to line up. We're going to march around. No, we're not going to do that. Um, Although I'm sure if you grew up in church, you've done that in some of your kids' classes, and somebody blew a horn uh, at the end. So, so we're just going to jump into that. Um, I, I, love, I, I love thinking back to you know, these, these momentous kind of occasions. Um, in, in fact, I wasn't around for the first one I mentioned. Some, some of you were, but, but when JFK was shot in, in Daly Plaza, in Dallas. How many of you remember where you were? Yeah? Okay. In 1986, I was here for that one, when the space shuttle Columbia blew up on takeoff, how many of you remember where you were for that one? Okay. On that day in September, uh, the now uh, 
Well, I could go back a little ways. How many of you remember December 7th? No, I'm kidding. Um, actually, Pearl Harbor Day is the day Cynthia and I started dating when we were in college, and it was actually on a Sunday. That's kind of cool. Um, but how many of you remember in September, um, did I already do that one? September 11th, where you were. Do you remember? Um, uh, and then I don't remember the date even because we've hit so many big momentous occasions uh, the, the day that the shuttle disintegrated uh, over West Texas. I remember that. I just don't remember the date. Um, when things happen, we, we tend to remember where we are. Now, now, we've had a weird weather year in Cloudcroft. And so we've had two different days with 100-mile-an-hour winds, trees falling all over the place, power going out. And, and, and I love to do this. My dad used to do stuff like this to me. So I love torturing the other kids just the same way. And, and I ask them, where were you when the lights went out? And they'll tell me. And then I say, you know where I was when the lights went out? And you guys know the answer, in the dark. <laughs> Not true, actually, because those happen during the day, but it's fun to say. Well, well this is in the life of of the children of Israel coming out of the wilderness. They've been wandering 40 years. They've crossed the Jordan. God did an amazing work for that to happen. And and they actually set up memorial stones. And and I love this. On the other side of the Jordan, they took out rocks. Now, these weren't just little stones. I'm thinking these are honking. They probably had to get big buff guys to carry them out of the Jordan. They set them up, 12, one for each tribe, as a memorial so that, and I love the way the Bible does this, so when your children and your children's children ask, what do these stones mean, then what you get to do is recount the activity of God, to recount God's faithfulness. And so they set up the memorial, they, they go there, they, they, they leave some of the old stuff behind, that the day that they began to eat of the fruit of the land that God had promised, the manna ceased. I, I don't know if that was a sad thing for them or not. Um, how many of you... How, how many of you kind of get tired of eating the same thing? Does that, that happen? No? Maybe, maybe by the time it gets to the turkey, turkey tetrazzini about December left over from Thanksgiving, you're a little tired of the turkey. I don't know what it's like 40 years with the same menu. I do know I wish it was that way sometimes at the restaurants here in town. I go eat breakfast with a friend, and they say, what do you want? And we're like, I don't know. You pick. You know, just something. I look at the menu just out of courtesy, and then I order the same thing I always order. And then Joshua has an encounter, and this is a really cool thing. God is basically handing off from Moses to Joshua. He's he's putting his seal on Joshua. And and you'll remember, this is a neat thing. They're, They're... they're outside of Jericho, which is this formidable city, walls that they're basically impenetrable. And yet, that is what is in their way to get to the promised land. And this guy shows up, and he, he must have, I, I just, I imagine, when I read the Bible, I just jump right into it and, 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 and imagine. So I'm, I'm thinking this was a big, formidable-looking guy. I imagine he was buff. He definitely looked like a warrior. And you remember Joshua's question to him. He said, are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And, and Joshua, I don't believe at that moment, knew he was talking, who he was talking to, but he found out quickly. And, and the man said no. Now, I love it when you know, 
This actually happens sometimes. We, we've only been married 29 years, so we're still kind of new to this communication thing in, in marriage. And, and sometimes I'll ask my wife a question, and she answers, and I'm like, I'm still not sure what the answer is. Am I supposed to do that or no? Joshua, I think, was kind of there. What, what do you mean, no? And then the, the man, not just the man, went on to explain, but I am the commander of the army of Yahweh. And then when you read just a little further, it says, and Yahweh said to Joshua. This was the pre-incarnate Christ. This is Yeshua, which is fun. We know him as Iesus. Okay, well, you may not. That's his Greek name. We transliterate that to Jesus. This is Yeshua, Joshua, God the Son, speaking to Joshua the leader of the Israelites. And he tells, he tells Joshua, take off your shoes, your sandals, for you're on holy ground. And, and I love the way God does that sometimes. He, he, he takes one chapter and just seamlessly puts it with another. He does it with the Gospel of John when he says, in the beginning, and everyone goes back to Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, but he shifts a little, he said, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made through him, and there wasn't anything that was made that was made without him, okay? So that Word, Yeshua, Jesus, this is the one who's the commander of the army of Yahweh, and he's talking to Joshua, and he's, he, I, I can imagine, this is fun, I, the Bible's so much fun, just, just read it like you would a novel, only know that it's true. And, and, and the commander of the army of Yahweh points with Joshua and he says, see, God has given you this land. I've given this over to you. And, and I can imagine Joshua's going, not looking that way. <laughs> and and, and I, can, I can guess, we don't know this because scripture's silent on this point on what Joshua is thinking. But, but if I were Joshua, I would have been thinking, man, if this guy has an army, <laughs> that's, that's who I want fighting. I, I want to be on his side. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. It's not, is God on our side? We need to be sure we get on God's side. And, and so the commander of the army of Yahweh gives Joshua some really unorthodox strategy for conquering Jericho. Do you guys remember what it is? Let me read just a part of it to you, and we're not going to read all this. It's verse 12 through 27. When you don't understand the command, that's when you need to trust the commander. And Joshua had to do that. It says, then Joshua rose early. He's going to now give the command that was given to him for the children of Israel. Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of Yahweh, the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horns before the ark of Yahweh walked on, and they blew the trumpets continually, and the armed men were walking before them. Now, get this picture. This looks like they are just getting ready to level this place, doesn't it? The, the army of the Israelites, and you've got the ark, and the, and the priests are blowing the trumpets, and all the armed men are marching along. And, and here's where the awesome strategy kicks in. 
The rear guard was walking after the ark of the Lord while the trumpets blew continually. The second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. <laughs> now, now I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I didn't have the privilege of serving in the military, and the only military strategy I have comes from Tom Clancy when he was actually writing the books. But maybe, maybe you could say, okay, this is the fear thing happening here. We learn from Rahab, the prostitute, which is like a, a fun moniker for her. Um, we, we, we learn from her that their hearts were already melting, uh, the, the people in Jericho, because they had already heard what God had done in the wilderness. And then they heard what God did to get the children of Israel across the Jordan. So they were already trembling. So, so maybe, maybe you could say, all right, you know, military strategy speaking, they're, they're striking fear into the heart before they actually attack. So the second day, they marched around the city once and returned into camp, and so they did for six days. Now, now, that's a little odd for me, but, you know, if you're trying to strike fear into the heart of your enemy, okay, that, that, that might do it. Hey, have you ever, th- this is great, parents, I- I'm going to give you a tool in your tool belt if, if you don't have it already. My dad did this for me. Son, you're going to get a whipping. I- I'm from Texas. He called it a whooping. You're going to get a whooping. You go to the room, you go to your room, and I'll be there in a little while. Now, mind you, my dad did not spank lightly. But I still think the time that I had to wait for him to get there was far worse than the actual spanking. So maybe you could think, all right, we're thinking strategy. So maybe that's what they're trying to do. Boy, the seventh day is going to be something. Are you ready? On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day. I would actually want to attack just a little bit before then, but I have a flashlight. They didn't. Just a little bit before dawn... And marched around the city in the same manner, but this time, instead of once going back, they marched around seven times. Now, picture you're in Jericho. You're one of the descent. You're in the inhabitants of Jericho. You heard about what God has done for these people. They marched around every day with the ark. You're waiting for them attack. So now, on the seventh day, they march around, and and you you kind of got the routine now because we're creatures of of habit, and and they're going to head back, but they don't. And they march around another time and another time. And if I'm an inhabitant in Jericho, I'm thinking, this is it. Guys, get ready. Get your your spears. Oh, wait, we don't have to worry. We've got the wall. Let them march. They marched around seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for Yahweh has given you this city. And the city and all that is in it is to be devoted to Yahweh for destruction. Now, this bears a little bit of explanation. God had told them to do this, and he had actually prepared them earlier on for this, that they usually you would conquer a city and you would get the spoils of that. But this was all about God. This wasn't about them. And so everything in this city was to be destroyed. Now, the gold, some stuff like that, they were going to keep 
uh, for for the the tabernacle at that time, but keep for 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 the house of the Lord. But everything else was to be wiped out. And this is where sometimes the Old Testament's kind of hard to read, because the way it says, when you devote a city to destruction, every man, woman, child, donkey, horse, chicken. I don't know if they had dog. Yeah, they had dogs then. There's a proverb about that we learned about in in youth this morning as a dog anyways um everything is to be killed nothing left this isn't about plunder this is about god providing a victory only this is joshua still telling the people only rahab the prostitute and all who are with her and her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted, when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make camp of Israel thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. That's, we'll get to that next week. But all the silver and the gold, every vessel of bronze and iron, are holy, that means set aside to Yahweh, to the Lord. They are to go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, the trumpets were blown, and as soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and they attacked... Wait, that's not the way my Bible reads. When they did that, the walls of Jericho fell. Now, I I can't imagine... I can't imagine what that would be like. <laughs> have, have, you ever, have you ever come upon, I'll quickly tell the rest of the story, and they conquered the people. I, actually, I don't think there was a lot of fighting that had to happen at that point. When the walls of Jericho fell, I believe so fell the hearts of the people in Jericho. And it was made known to them that God provided the victory that God gave them the city of Jericho. And I don't know about you, but I can't imagine what it would look like to face something as formidable as Jericho was. Jericho was the impenetrable city up until that day. Just like the Titanic was the unsinkable ship until it sank. Walls are kind of a weird thing. Have you guys, maybe I think more about these kind of things than you. You ever just thought about walls? What's the purpose of walls? Well, well, walls can protect you. That's what the people of Jericho were counting on. Walls are, are to protect. And we can't really get that. We don't live in a world where where we have walls around our houses, where there's a wall around our city. I know there's some dispute about a wall on a border, but we won't get into that. But walls protect. Going to some third world countries, you kind of see this a little bit more. You, you go into what looks like a little bit of a compound, and, and there are houses in there, and, and they have walls up there. Now, they're pretty... They're, they're pretty uh, uh, I, a word just not coming to me. Don't worry, you young folks. That'll happen to you too someday. Um, uh, they make use of everything they have. 
And, and so in, in this wall, and it's usually some kind of rock, and it's got some concrete or, you know, something in there. And, and there's glass shards and rocks and everything's on the top of this wall. And, and, and there's a gate there that they can lock from the inside. And, and if you just ever want to have fun, Ethiopia is where I experienced this. You, you go to a third world country and you go visit someone. You're always kind of, you know, a little bit on edge about what's going to happen anyways. And, and, and let, them, let them walk up and knock on this, this gate. And, and someone from the inside, and they say something in a language you don't understand. And, and then that gate opens and you walk in and they lock the gate behind you. It's a little bit of a weird feeling. And, and, and I remember asking when we were in Ethiopia, our interpreter, I said, what, what's this for? He said, well, it's for protection that the people in here will, will take care of, of themselves. They will protect themselves. But, but if they don't know who it is and what they're coming in for, they won't let them in. And when you look up the top, you're thinking you've got to be pretty desperate if you want to climb over that thing. Walls protect. We, we can use them to protect. I, I grew up in Dallas, Fort Worth, and, and it took me a while to get out of the habit of, of locking my car. And I know some of you are from Texas, so am I, so I can pick on us. And, and I just kind of chuckle all the time in the summer when I hear the horn honk, honk, you know, that they've locked their car. And I'm like, this is Cloudcroft. We only have to worry about that when the Texans are here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, the only time I've been here almost 16 years, the only time my car has ever been broken into was when it was spring break in El Paso. And, and a lot of people did. And, and here's how it got broken into. They opened the door um, and they, they rifled through. I don't have, didn't have anything to steal. They, they thought they were getting something good. They stole my little prepaid Sprint phone, which didn't work up here at all back then. But they protect. We, we lock our homes because that protects. But walls do other things too. Walls can keep things out. Now, now have, have any of you had any, any experience with some of the critters around here? Anybody? Yeah? Um, our neighbor, I gave my neighbor a cat door to put in his back door. And only cats will come in there. I don't know if you know that. Only <laughs> The raccoon found out that there was a cat door and that there was cat food inside. And, and the, these people are really nice. They put the water right next to the food. So the little raccoon didn't even have to go anywhere. He just dipped it in there and made a mess. Um, I think they still have that there. I don't know what they, I don't think they keep the cat food in that room anymore. But walls can keep things out. We, we, we have that just to keep things out. We have uh, around our, our playground a fence. And I know some of you are thinking we'll get to that in, in a minute uh, of another reason that you might do that. But, but I'll tell you one of the biggest reasons, and we need to finish, we need to button it back up. We've done a lot of work. And by the way, Brendan, where are you? Thank you. Brendan probably moved two or three dump trucks full of, of um, chip, the wood chips around there all by himself. Thank you, man. That was a lot of work. We did one, and we said, you know, we need to get a younger guy to come. <laughs> but, but one of the biggest reasons we have that fence around the playground is so that you don't have to worry about stepping in elk poop. <laughs> I mean, it's a playground, right? You know, they, they don't, and they don't know better. They think it's a big kitty litter box or something, you know, with all that stuff we put in there. 
But, but walls can keep things out. They protect us, but they can also just keep some things out. But they also do another thing. Walls can keep people in. Now, now that's probably the first reason you thought of that we have a, a fence around that playground. Sometimes you got little bitty ones in there. And, and I don't know, it, it, any of you guys, you work with preschoolers much? Two, two-year-olds, I think, are about the hardest because they know just enough to keep you really busy. And, and, and to try to corral, you know, 15 or 20 little two-year-olds. And I can't even count that fast because they don't sit still. But, but we, we have a fence out there also to keep them in whenever we're out there with the class. That way you don't have to spend your whole time trying to count, trying to figure out where little Johnny is. And, and so de- depending on your perspective, the wall might mean something different to you. And, and I don't mean relative truth. We, we don't get into that. I know uh, a couple of few weeks ago, Kurt preached on what is truth. I, I don't mean relative truth here where, oh, well, that's true for you, but that's not true for me. I just mean different perspectives. It just means something because you're, all, you're in a different place in this event. Have you ever, you ever witnessed an event and, and someone else witnessed it with you and, and you weren't even sure that they were in the same room with you when you started talking about it later? Maybe it was a business meeting you went to. So, man, that was a good business meeting. And they come out of there and they have a whole different perspective. Maybe it was a concert. Okay, maybe not a concert. Um, Maybe it was a melodrama you went to last night. <laughs> and, and you said, you know, you walk out of there and, and, and you have totally different perspective. Sometimes it's just kind of where they are. Sometimes it's, they hear something that you didn't hear. Sometimes they, they kind of latch on to something that you didn't. That's what we run into in this story. So we've got the walls and the walls came down and that meant different things to the different people involved. So quickly, let me, let me just kind of get to that, and we'll, we'll talk about how that relates to us. We have walls. I don't know if you guys realize this. We build our own walls. Now, I'm not talking about the one on the border. Again, that's a different thing. We, we go through life, and we deal with walls. Walls can sometimes be things that keep us from following God. The children of Israel, think of this, they come into the promised land, and, and, and again, I don't know what Joshua was thinking, I know what I would have been thinking when he says, look, we've given this land to you, and I'd be saying, yeah, except for that big city there that's got the big walls built around it, we've got to deal with that first, that if, if we can't get past that, there's no inhabiting this land, there's no possessing this land. So for the children of Israel, this is something that could have kept them from following God. This is something that could have kept them from from going where God wanted them to go. Walls that would keep them out. Walls that would keep them where they were. And sometimes we deal with that in our lives. I don't know what that might look like for you. I, I can't imagine... You know, one of the scariest prayers you can ever pray is, God, wherever. It's Isaiah's prayer. Um, Lord, here I am, send me. <laughs> if you just want to have fun, you know, sometimes just, you just pray that with God and mean it. We're afraid to, though, a lot of times, because here I am, send me. I don't know. What if he sends me somewhere I don't want to go? I'm really careful. I learned this. I, I, I try to learn from other people's experiences as much as I can don't always manage that, but I try to. And, and, and a, a gentleman that, that was a, a pastor when I first began said one time, Larry, 
you don't ever want to tell God what you're not going to do. It, it, when you surrender to the ministry, you, you need to know something. Don't tell God where you won't go. Don't tell God what you're not going to do. So I, I'm really careful. I say, you know, God, if you asked my opinion, um, that this is, this is, this is, I, I'd rather not. Anybody here from Yuma? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'd rather not pastor in Yuma in the summertime. <laughs> Sometimes we, we have walls that keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Something that, that we say, you know, I, I would, but I'm not going to pray that prayer. I don't know about that. And, and I don't know, it, it may be a lot of different things. It could be our preferences. It, it could be our desires. It, it could be our past experiences. Well, I don't know, I did that one time, and I'm, I'm never going to do that again. You've, you've heard my story many times. Some of you, fifth and sixth grade boys and girls pioneer club for three hours on Wednesday nights. Man, I had hair. I actually, did I have hair back then? I don't remember. It's been so long. Sometimes the walls are things that keep us from following God. Sometimes, sometimes the walls are things that we put our hope and trust in. Now, in this story, that's the people of Jericho. I, I don't know, but, but I would imagine that, that some of them were laughing. Have you ever seen the VeggieTales story of the, the wall of Jericho with the French peas on top? If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you have missed out on life. Um, I, maybe some of the people were mocking them. Maybe they were making fun of them. Maybe they're saying, you know what, you, you, you march your little band around here as many times as you want. You're not getting through these walls. Listen, I was here when we built the wall, and you're not going to get through this. This wall is thick. Well, our wall is so big, we have houses in our wall. How about that? We have people living in the walls. You, you just try to come on through. And they put their hope and they put their trust in those walls. I can't imagine what it was like for them when those walls came down. Can you? That was what they banked on. That's what Jericho was known for, the impenetrable city. Listen, in fact, I don't know if you caught it in there. When they shut the gates, no one came in and no one went out. That, that means they were pretty self-sufficient, and they built that. They, they had planned, and they had prepared to be there for a long time. Now, I'm going to ask a question. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but anybody do some planning for Y2K? Yeah, a few? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm still eating some of that stuff. I heard a story, I don't know how true it is or not, of a guy that decided toilet paper was going to be the big commodity and got like a... a tractor trailer load of toilet paper um they put their hope and trust in that wall sometimes there are things that we put our hope and trust in other than god and, and for us that's that's our wall that that is our security that that is what we are counting on and then finally, 
Sometimes walls are things that keep us from trusting in Jesus. Kurt was talking earlier, if you've never, if you've never come to the place in life where you've trusted Christ as your, your Savior and Lord, Come, come and talk to us. We, we want to talk with you about that. And, and I totally get this. I did not grow up in a Christian home, for some of you who don't know. I, I didn't. We weren't anti-Jesus. Uh, if we had a theme song as a family, it would have been Jesus is just all right with me. You remember that song? We, Jesus, he was a good guy. He was great. You know, we celebrated Christmas, and I was a little bit confused as a kid with some things. And we celebrated Easter. I didn't really find out what that was about until I became a Christian. But but I can understand things that happen in life sometimes, events, and people say, if that is the way God is, I want any part of that. Sometimes those are walls that keep people from coming to faith in Christ. Maybe it's questions that they have. We're, we're taught in schools, and not, not a debate we'll get into today, but we're taught in schools that evolution is a fact, and, and, and it's really just bad science. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. It's just bad science. There's not science to prove it. But, but we're taught that, and, and so, so we're, what we're taught is, it's, it is you, you believe evolution with no God, or, or you have to you know, have this fantasy thing that, that these Christian people kind of believe in. And, and so, so maybe you're taught that, that science disproves Christianity or, or, or science disproves the existence of God. And, and so maybe some of your questions are, well, if, if that's true, then, then what about that? Maybe you just have questions. And those are the walls that would keep you from coming to faith in Christ. Maybe, maybe it's a personal experience that you've had. Anybody ever been done wrong? There's a song about that. Everybody ever been hurt by somebody that called himself a Christian? Everybody been treated, everybody, hopefully not. Has anybody been treated bad by a, maybe in a church? You had a bad experience with a church. For some people, those are walls that keep them from coming to faith in Christ. In this story, I think that might have been Rahab and her family. And when the walls came down that day, you remember, she earlier on, you got to love this profession of faith. She, she tells the two spies who came, she says, you know what, we've, we've heard of the things that Yahweh, your God, has done. And, and she didn't put it in these words, but this is my take from it. We want that. We want that. We've heard of how he sustained the nation of Israel, these people in the wilderness for 40 days. We heard what he did to these people. We heard even what he did to Pharaoh 40 years ago. We heard how, how he still is with you. And, and when you came across the Jordan, how he dried up the Jordan. I want that. So when the walls came down today, that day, it meant different things for different people. For for the nation of Israel, that was God taking away the barrier for their, the promised land that he had called them to. That was the last big barrier that would keep them from following God, they, they thought. For the people of Jericho, that was their security. Their, their world came crashing down all around them. And then for 
some of those inhabitants, Rahab and her family, when that happened, they learned that that wasn't their hope and security, that it was God that they should put their trust in. We know specifically, I, I love this Bible just kind of silent about the commander of the army of Yahweh, but I bet you, I bet you, he was smiling. <laughs> I bet you he was there and he was smiling when the walls came down. You know what? The same one, the commander of the army of Yahweh, that is the one we call Jesus, the son of God, he's still in the business of bringing down walls. Did you know that? For, for some of you, there, there may be something in your life that's keeping you from doing something you know God wants you to do. He's still in the business of bringing down those walls. Maybe it's something you say, you know what, I would, but man, there's just no way. That, that just, just can't happen. My schedule's just not going to allow that. I don't have the time. I don't have the money. Um, I don't even have the want to, if, if sometimes we're really honest, and and I would be if my... I would do this because my wife would ask me, and I told God I'd serve him however he wanted me to because I don't want to end up in Yuma. And so I just hear it's crazy hot there. I'm not a heat kind of guy. Um, if Cynthia said, Larry, I need you to teach this second, I did the second graders last year. Whew. Um, it would be the third graders this year. Larry, I want you to teach the two-year-olds in, in kids' club. If I was really honest, I would say, God, I don't have the heart to do that. <laughs> I don't have the want to. I'd do it, but I'd be praying, Lord, would you give me the want to? Would you just take that wall down? Obviously, I've had a bad experience with two-year-olds somewhere. I need to figure that out. But, God, would you just take those walls down so, so you'd let me serve you where you want me? Maybe... Maybe it's something that you put your hope and your trust in other than Christ. And man, let me tell you, that is easy to do. Maybe it, it's your job. I, I've never, never experienced this. I know many have that one day you're going along fine and you're planning everything because I've got this income and this is happening and, and because of this I can buy this house or I can buy this car and you're trucking along and from one day to the next it's gone. Some people have experienced that. And in that moment they realize I put my hope and my trust in that. What am I going to do? For others, maybe it's your pension or your retirement. I know 2006 hit a lot of people hard, or was it 2008? Things come a little slowly to Mexico, to New Mexico. Oh, did I say that out loud? We're not in Mexico. This is still the United States. Um, and I'll tell you honestly, I've been putting into retirement, <laughs> and I need to be careful. That's not where my hope and trust is. I have a friend who used to look at his quarterly, and this was 20 years ago. And I'm like, we are so far away from retirement. It doesn't matter much right now. When I get closer, it's going to matter a little bit more. And the Bible says to prepare. It says to plan. But that's not where my hope and trust is. For some of you, maybe it's a relationship or, or, or maybe the hope of a relationship. 
that you put your hope and your trust in. Maybe it's a circumstance or situation or a place. Those are your walls. And maybe there's some, maybe there's somebody here today that's never come to the place where they put their faith and hope in Christ. And, and I don't know, I, I know that we live in such a messed up, broken world and Maybe you've been hurt by people. Maybe you've been told things that weren't quite true. Maybe you've been misled. Maybe maybe your parents had a bad experience or maybe your parents were the ones that were, in, in, for, for you it felt like they were trying to force Jesus down your throat and, and you just rebelled and, and there were these walls that are built up. Can, can I just tell you something today? Wherever you are in any of those, Jesus is still in the business of bringing down walls. And, and, and I know, you know, you can read self-help books, you know, how to take the bricks back down and, you know, how to do all this. Let me, can I just really tell you something and, and be just really honest as I can with you? There's some things we can't fix. We just can't. If I'm harboring bitterness and, and resentment and that's built a wall and I finally decided, you know what, I'm not going to get hurt anymore by people Sometimes I can't take those down. I can't take that wall down. I can't change that. I, I jokingly said whatever my problem is with two-year-olds. <laughs> I can't fix those things. There's some things I can't fix. There's some things you can't fix. There's, there are walls you can't take down. But all through this story, God never said we had to. Isn't that cool? God never told Joshua, you guys are going to have to take that wall down. He said from the beginning, this is what the Lord is going to do for you. So today, can I just encourage you to do something, to, to pray something that might be a little bit scary to pray? <laughs> you ever pray something, then you're afraid God's going to answer it? Maybe this is that kind of prayer. Lord, would you just tear the walls down that I've got in my life. Maybe there are walls that are hindering relationships with people. Maybe there are walls that are, that are keeping you from doing what you know God wants you to do. And, and that might, when I say that, I don't mean he's going to call you to be a missionary in Africa necessarily. Maybe it's just something that's hindering you in your relationship with God. Would, would you be bold and say, God, would you just tear that wall down? Maybe it's hindering you from beginning a relationship with God. And, and I don't know what those are. I know from my own experience, there's some things I just can't tear down. Now, now listen, when you're coming to a place where you believe and confess Christ as Savior and Lord, doesn't mean that all your questions are answered. Man, I, I came to faith in Christ in 1982. I, I think my list of questions is longer <laughs> in some areas than others. And I just try to be honest and transparent with you guys. Sometimes people ask me questions and I say, I don't know. Why did God do this? I don't know. Why didn't God do this? I, I don't know. Why did if God is love and if God loves me, then why does he let me hurt? I don't know. I, I don't. I'll tell you what I do know. That 
there's a God who loves you so much that he gave his only son. I just left my baby at college last week. (laughs) I would take a bullet for you in a heartbeat. I I have no doubt at all. I I could lay my life down for you in a heartbeat. I, 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 I just think I could. I honestly don't think I could give my child's life for you, either of them. Does that make me bad? I don't know. I tell you what it does for me, though, is it helps me realize how much God loves us. A God who loves you so much that he proved it for us. Have you ever had someone say, if God is love, why didn't he prove it? Well, he did. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, think about this, the people who were spitting on Jesus on the cross, the people who were making fun of Jesus on the cross, they're the ones he died for. And he said it. He didn't make it like some secret thing. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The very ones who crucified Christ are the ones that he died for. And listen, we are just as responsible because it's our sin that he took on the cross and he took the punishment for our sin. I don't understand why some things happen. I don't understand the mind of God. And aren't you glad that God is way bigger than I can understand? But I can tell you this, you can trust him. He's proven it over and over and over. The story of Jericho is one example. The one that clenches it for me is the story of the cross. That God made him who knew no sin to become our sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Would you pray this prayer today? God, would you just tear the walls down? And I don't know, but maybe there will even be some walls that he takes down that you didn't even know you had until he does. Let me pray for you. Lord, today, I just ask that you would do that for us. God, I know we live in a world that's just racked with pain and suffering. And, and, and God, I wish that I could, in, in all honesty, tell the people here today, when you come to faith in Christ, your pain will be gone. Your suffering will be over. And yet, God, I know that's not true. Jesus even told us that in this world we're going to have trouble. But he also said, be of good cheer because I've overcome this world. God, the things that you promise us isn't a pain-free existence. You promise us your presence and you promise us your peace. So, Lord, this morning as we pray this bold prayer, God, tear the walls down in my life. I ask that you would do that in ways that we might not even expect. God, that you would draw us close to you as we draw near to you. God, you would restore relationships where they need to be restored, whether it's with you or with you and others. God, that you would renew, fan back into flame the fire that first burned in those of us who have trusted in you. God, do a work in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.